Welcome to Pro Audio Profiles. My name is Brendan Decora, and each week I'll be hosting different guests, mainly engineers and producers, but also people from across the industry. Enjoy the show. On today's show, we have Jake Reed. He's a session drummer who makes really cool sample packs and also has credits with Katy Perry, Kate Dutton, and the LA Philharmonic. Enjoy. Thank you so much for being here, first and foremost. I really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I'd like to start out by, you know, if you could just talk about your backstory, kind of how you got to where you are, what led you to this place. Yeah. Um, well, I was born at a very early age. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, I was, I grew up in Kansas City, born in Kansas City, grew up in Kansas City. Okay. Um just grew up, I guess I started playing drums, well, I, I started playing drums in an era where, you know, MTV still played music videos, right. <laughs> so, like, some of the first drumming I saw was on television, you nice. know? okay. Like, you know, grunge bands and stuff. Right. Um, nice. My dad also played, like, in high school marching band, even mm-hmm. though right. um, he didn't really play, like, by the time I came around, but right, um, he played drums too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, we so when I was a little kid, we had these. I don't even know. I you could probably find it on the internet, but it was like I just remember these like yellow drumsticks. Okay. That had like wires coming out of the bottom. What? And then you could like wear these. Uh, I don't. Know if, I can't remember if they were like headphones or if. Sometimes my memory like makes things <laughs> up, but I do remember you could like hit this these drums. You could hit them on anything, and it would sound like a snare. What? It's not like a snare sample. Oh, a little speaker inside the drumstick. Yeah, or like it, it was like a, the wires were like attached to headphones or something, oh, or like this. Okay. Yeah. So nice. it just go like, you know, nice. like you can nice. hit it on anything. So I remember having those like That's as a cool. very young child and like walking around the house just right. like hitting things, <laughs> and it would sound like a snare drum. Right. <laughs> um, nice. But eventually my dad was like, you know, let's get you some lessons. Right. You know, he's all about education. So nice. um, So I started taking lessons when I was, I think, like 11 or 12, Mm -hmm. sometime around then um, in Kansas City. And it was a great, I had a great teacher. His name is Dennis Rogers. Mm -hmm. And uh, he would, you know, not only teach drum set, but he was really big into like rudimental snare drum stuff. So. It was a good way to get your hands together and, you know, mm-hmm. learn how to actually hold drumsticks and right, right. proper rebound and technique. Yeah, yeah, wow. But in addition to that, uh, he also taught mallet percussion. Oh, wow. So, like, marimba, mm-hmm. xylophone. Nice. He even had a set of timpani, like, okay. in, in wow. his teaching studio. Huh. So... Full orchestral. The whole thing was to be well-rounded. Right. You know, especially that... I feel like maybe that's not pushed as hard in education anymore like to be a well-rounded musician um but when i was a kid i hate to sound like an old man but (laughs) uh that was uh that was important to be to learn how to do everything uh convincingly right um so and even now that's partly i love i love being able to that's why i moved to la so i could play in a lot of different styles all the time right um, and what, what prompted that, that move? Uh, well, so, you know, high school happened. I, you know, I played in all the band, like jazz mm-hmm. band, marching right. band, orchestra. What did you play in marching band? Just out of curiosity. Snare drum. Snare drum. Yeah. So did I, honestly. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh yeah, you're a drummer. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I did a lot of marching percussion, mar- marching, marching band, uh, right. drum corps, and it was great uh-huh. for my hands, but I it, it I don't know if you played on Kevlar heads. Yes. But it teaches you a lot of bad technique yes. in a way. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> so, the drumsticks are like huge. And the drums, the Ralph Hardiman <laughs> like drumsticks with the nylon with the nylon tips are right. giant. Right. So um, when I got to college, uh, my my grandma uh, lived in Cincinnati, and she was like, "Oh, you should go to school in Cincinnati for for college because right. there's a really good jazz school here." Huh. And um, I only I literally applied to the the school that my childhood drum teacher taught at in Missouri. <laughs> right. 
and I applied to the conservatory in Cincinnati uh. and look, I got into the school in right. Cincinnati and I was like, well, I guess I should just go there. You know, that'd be <laughs> right. fun. Right. Um, and they gave me a scholarship. So nice. I was like, yeah, that's another good reason to go there. Right. Um, but when I got there, uh, I studied with this guy. Well, there, there's, I had a few teachers. Uh, Mark Wolfley was one. Mm-hmm. Um, Rusty Burge, Art Gore is another great jazz drummer in Cincinnati. Um, but the main guy that I hung out with most was a guy named John Von Olin. Okay. Um, and he played in Stan Kenton's band. He did a lot of, lot of, lot of big band drumming. Right, right. Um, amazing drummer uh, who, <laughs> when I got there, he was like the opposite of drum corps. Right. And like having <laughs> technique. He just, But he had the most amazing feel. Okay. Right, right, right. You know? Um, <laughs> so when I got there... It was sort of like unlearning <laughs> all of the drum core, right. like stiff, yeah. sort of. And that's, I mean, that's a big part of being a great drummer is having a really great feel, you know. Exactly. For so, sure. it, and it had nothing, it has nothing to do with chops. Yeah, exactly. You know, so <laughs> I spent like 10 years. Yeah. Like learning how to like have lots of chops and lots of technique. <laughs> right. Playing fast. <laughs> Right. Uh, you know, le- technique, you know, like accents, taps, mm-hmm. upstrokes, downstrokes, mm-hmm. um, all the rudiments, right. all the rudimental literature. So did you, were you in bands at the time or what did you? I played, well, yeah, I played in, um, that was the other thing is I was always playing in like rock bands. Okay. Um, right. When I was a kid though, when I was like 12, my grandma gave me um, this, it was called uh, Krupa and Rich. Right. Which is, do you know that that album? No, but I know those drummers, it obviously. Was a yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, and it was Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa. Right. And it's from like 1959 or 60 oh. or somewhere around there. Huh. Um, and at the time, I didn't know of the other musicians on the album, but, you know, mm-hmm. like it was Ray Brown and Oscar Peterson. Right. Um, hmm. Sweets Edison's on it. Yeah. Um, so it's like some heavy cats yeah, you know definitely. so that i but i used to listen to that constantly because it was like amazing drumming mm-hmm. and it swung like crazy of course right, right. um so that was some of my that at the same time as playing in rock bands and like listening to mm-hmm. all the grunge music and also you know getting like super into like led zeppelin right and all the classic bands my yeah. my dad you know like the classic rock station was always on right in the car <laughs> of course so um I guess that's one cool thing about growing up in Kansas City. Hmm. Like, my sister was always listening to, like, hip-hop and country. Right. So it's like, <laughs> I listened to a lot of that music. Yeah. Um. You know, my grandparents were into jazz. My dad was into classic rock. Right. Um. You know, Nirvana was just everywhere. Right, right. Or Soundgarden. <laughs> of course. All those bands, Green yep. Day. Yeah, nice. Um, so... Even from a young age, it was like I was listening to a lot of different of types of music. And then as I got to the end of high school, it was like all the other like bands that influenced those bands. Right, right. And all the styles of music. Like I got super deep into like, you know, Tower of Power. Right. And then I was like, oh, well, they're just like super influenced by like James Brown, you know? Right. right. <laughs> so I would like listen to James Brown. Yeah. And then, you know, so it just, you keep going back. It's like turtles all the way down. Exactly. With all exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, but going to Cincinnati is how I ended up eventually getting out to LA okay. because John Von Olin, uh, one of the guys that he taught was this guy, Jeff Hamilton, mm-hmm. who's a great drummer who lives out here. Great right. jazz drummer legendary jazz drummer i should oh, say right i mean he's amazing i don't know if you've i'm not familiar enough. yeah he's he's awesome huh. um so i came out here and studied with him a little bit when i was still in school in cincinnati okay and um and then uh like the third year of college i did this thing called the henry mancini institute hmm. out here hmm. which is like you have to audition and you basically the whole thing was you got to come out to ucla for a whole month during the summer right and play in a studio orchestra oh wow it was almost like band camp on steroids (laughs) you know (laughs) and you could play in big bands and like full orchestra i remember like one of the things we did was we went a couple things we did um 
they brought in like the theme to the Simpsons, okay. you know, and we would just all sight read it together. Nice. And like everyone's really good, <laughs> right? Because right. you have to audition to get into yeah, it. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and then the other thing we did was we got to go to the uh, Warner scoring stage. Okay, nice. And you, you know, you, they put like Indiana Jones. Right. There's a new Indiana Jones out. Uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. but they would put like the original one up on the right, screen, right? And you would get the experience of like being on the sound stage, you yeah. know, playing along, playing totally. the score. That's cool. Which is really awesome. Like nice. that was a great experience yeah. and kind of got me like hooked, right? Into like, man, I want to, I want to move to LA and <laughs> do that. I mean, nice. I'd always been interested in recording, right? Right. And did some session work, you know, even in college, mm-hmm. but. um it wasn't until like coming out here and experiencing that where I was like, right. okay, that's what I want to do right. for sure. And that's um, that's the thing. Like, granted, a lot of session musicians do work on films, but do you find yourself doing uh, some of both, or what's the, it's, the ratio? Uh, it's kind like fifty fifty. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's like yeah, it, you know, either well, I don't know what's going to be like now with the the strike going on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but. Um, but you know, TV shows, movies, right, right? Um, just stuff where you're, the music is not the main focus, right? You know, right. it's the picture for sure. Um, oh, but I, what I was gonna say is, I, it, when I did the Mancini Institute, I got to study with uh, Peter Erskine, okay, out nice. here, yeah. And so uh, studying with him was like, okay, that's also what I want to do, <laughs> right? So, right. Um, a couple years later, after I got my undergrad degree mm-hmm. in cincinnati i applied to go to usc okay and so that's ultimately to answer your question that's with a very long story here. yeah yeah that's what brought me out here was to go to usc oh wow and i did my master's there and damn. a doctorate damn <laughs> um but and the whole thing was i wanted to study with peter okay you know i learned a lot from him and right. he would take me to recording sessions with him right and i would just sit there like in the drum booth at like capital or east west or the village right I would go to sessions with him and just sit there with him and see how he interacted with Mm. the composer or with the conductor Mm. or the contractors, the producer. There's a, there's a lot that you learn. Absolutely. Just by sitting there, I would see like how he had his headphone box mixed, dialed in for himself. I would see the kinds of notes he would take on the charts if he was reading something that's crazy like obviously as an engineer like you're an assistant you're in the room you're doing the same thing but yeah i haven't heard of you know someone shadowing a musician like that before to be honest i don't know how many other drummers do that (laughs) right right (laughs) peter was always i mean he's always had this attitude of like giving back and passing it on to the next generation and i think he also just is sort of he's when I started studying with him, he was already sort of a legend. Right. So it wasn't like yeah. a big deal, I think, <laughs> yeah. most of the time. Right. <laughs> it's like, I remember one time he couldn't make it to a recording session. It was uh-huh. a Buble session okay. for like a Christmas album. Okay. I think it was I think it was a Christmas album. Huh. It's so long ago now. Right. And so he was just like, hey, Jake, can you go to Capitol and like <laughs> get sounds on my drums for me? Because I can't make the sound check. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, sure. So, you know, I'm like, nice. I had just moved here, like, maybe a year before. Right. And um, so I get there, and, like, Al Schmidt's engineering. Yeah. And I'm just, like, <laughs> playing drums, like, right. on Peter's drums. <laughs> and it was then, just for the sound check? Just for, yeah, just getting sounds, because he, like, for whatever reason, had something else right, going on right. before. <laughs> and so I did that, and they were like, sounds great. And then, nice. like, Peter walked in, like, right before the downbeat. Of and, course. Uh <laughs> That was nice, pretty awesome, though. Nice. So just, like, things like that, like, you can't... Uh, I I mean, I would never do that right now. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't just be like, hey, you know, to, like, right. someone I'm I'm mentoring or something. Right, right. Um, sometimes it's cool, but for whatever reason, yeah, it always worked with Peter. Yeah. Um, and I, I learned... I just learned a ton from sitting there with him. Right. Um, and, and, you know, also something that I think is important to note is dynamics like how loud he would play right um sometimes it was pretty loud but other times it was very soft and you know just his control of dynamics yeah was something you learn by sitting there Mm. and listening and and then i would go back and like to my little apartment Mm -hmm. and try to practice doing right that sort of like just having that sort of control that he had has he still has it Right. Um, <laughs> no, he's awesome. I've worked with him a handful of times. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. He's amazing. To work with him. I yeah. mean, I'm sure, and as a drummer yourself, yeah, like absolutely, 
That's awesome. Getting to hear that. Yeah. He's incredible. I can't say enough. Uh, and is that what led you to kind of do more session work or how yeah. did that come about? Yeah. So that was part of it. Mm -hmm. um, every once in a while, like Peter wouldn't be able to make a session and he would recommend me. And sometimes they call, nice. sometimes they don't. But, yeah. you know, uh, cool. but also being at USC, they have a film scoring program there. Okay. It's like a year long program, I think, uh -huh. unless it's changed in the right. last. 15 years <laughs> but um so i would have friends who would be doing uh film scores of their own like student films or whatever right. and i would just meet them but the cool thing about meeting them is you know here like five or ten or 15 years later they're actually doing yeah like big projects now exactly so <laughs> you meet them a long time ago and right. you know you do your best it's like everyone's just trying to get better all the time yeah um, so I met a lot of people that way. Um, nice. a lot of people word of mouth, right? Um, like our friend, Will Onspock, uh -huh. I met him at a session I went to with Peter, right? Where they were doing, it was for the movie tower heist. Okay. Christoph Beck's the composer. Nice. And it was double drums with Jr. Right, right. And Erskine, <laughs> nice. you know, and, but Will was like assisting that day yeah. and it was like, that's how we met. And you know, nice. <laughs> we work together still. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And that's sure. how you and I met, Yeah, you know, it was because of Absolutely. Will. So, Absolutely. uh, yeah, it's just, cool. you know how it is. It's a big yeah. network. Absolutely. It's like, it's a big community. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's very cliche, but it definitely is like right place, right time. Kind of who, you know, it's just being there, yeah, you know, it's that's, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and but also like just trying to do your best all yeah, the time for sure and being cool like for sure yeah you know all those things that you right. hear people talk about it's true absolutely you know? i just want to take a quick break and tell you about my free guide for creating massive snare sounds in it i go over all my techniques from drum choices tuning microphone placements even mixing techniques Check it out now at brandondecora.com slash huge snare. And now, back to the show. So one of the things I like to talk about a lot on the podcast is how to how to get great results from artists in the studio. Mm -hmm. And as a session musician, obviously, it's you're coming at it from a different angle. Um, when you're hired on a session, like how do you how do you approach understanding the artistic vision of the artist so that you can you can get the best best performances? Uh, that's a good question. I, the first thing is, at least, this is, again, this is just totally my way of approaching things. Mm -hmm. And also, it's sort of a combination of how I've seen other people who I look up to right. approach things. Um, the first thing is, I try to leave, this is also cliche sounding, leave my ego at the door. Yeah. I just, I, I try not to even think of, like, Oh, I'm going to put my stamp on this or whatever. Right. Of you know, course. cause you do hear, um, sometimes you hear that sort of phrase thrown around and I just try to like immediately let go of that, right. like let go of whatever it is, uh, who I am. Like I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. I'm here for your song. Right. Whatever sound or, you know, vision you have for it that I'm here to help you get that. Right. That's the bottom line. Right. Um, whatever drum set or maybe it's not even a drum set you know <laughs> like yeah, maybe it's... exactly <laughs> <laughs> nice. i mean i've hit i've done some weird stuff right just to help like sometimes <laughs> they're like yeah i just want it to sound like we're like in a bar room right you know <laughs> and like everyone's stomping or whatever yeah. you know just things like that um so yeah that's the first thing to help mm -hmm. achieve the artist's um vision of their song is just let go of um, your ideas. Don't you know? Approach it with a clean slate. I should. I, I'd say right. a, an empty palette. Yeah, and that's the thing too with you know session musicians. It's like sometimes you hire the person for that, and some guys do kind of bring their own style. But then also you definitely want a, you know to be able to you know, guide them in the right direction for whatever the artist is looking for, you know. Totally. So. And sometimes people will ask me, what do you hear on this? Yeah. And that's totally cool. Right. Sometimes it's me replacing whatever program yeah. drum beat they have their note for note. Right. And I'll sit there and transcribe the whole thing. Right. 
Um, because like there's that open hi hat on like the and of three yeah. and the fifth bar <laughs> right, of the right, verse right. or what I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just, exactly. And they want that in there. Yeah, and I'm like, that's cool. I'll do that. <laughs> so I've always just had this like the thing that like I, I let me let me rephrase that. I would say when I played a lot of jazz when I was younger, mm-hmm. I would I sort of had like more of an attitude about okay. things like no, nah, this is this is right. how you do. but as soon as um I was able to I don't even know what prompted it. Um someone probably getting mad at me at some point. <laughs> like, hey man, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Um but as soon as I was able to let go of that, yeah. It's like things sort of opened up for me. Right. And I was getting better results. Like I was having more fun Mm -hmm. and it's like when that happens, you know, you're on the right track. So, um, that's when I was like, Oh, maybe that's the way to do things instead of of trying to like force your agenda on someone else's song. Cause it doesn't sound good. You know, (laughs) that's the main thing is like, you want it to sound good, right? Exactly. How do we make this sound as best as it can? Exactly. Um, so yeah. And what um, what strategies do you use to build trust to make the artist feel comfortable expressing their ideas? Uh, to build trust. I mean, first of all, it, it's still just having that positive attitude. Right. Um, that, I mean, that's the, for me, that's one of the biggest things is keeping the vibe yeah. cool, right? Right. In the studio. Um, some, you know, that's a good question because I still consider myself to be somewhat of a, um, uh, like early on, I'm not like a session veteran who's been doing this since like the seventies. Right. Right. (laughs) So sometimes if you get someone who's a quote unquote name or someone who's like a veteran, Mm -hmm. they have trust built in. Yeah, that's true. Like if you call like Matt Chamberlain, right. You're going to trust him. Because yeah. <laughs> he's played on a lot of hits, right? Or, you know, who name yeah. any name drummer? You know, yeah. you would think of. So that's a that's an easy way to gain right. the confidence right. or the trust of whomever you're working Definitely. for. But I would say, I mean, you could also argue that those drummers still have to earn the trust yeah. of the artists they're working yeah. for. Well, no, because even then, like, I've been on sessions with, you know, like, they don't, sometimes you know, they don't some know. of the, the big time session guys, <laughs> and and they come in, you know, with with a little bit of an ego sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have to walk that line as a session player of serving the artist versus contributing unique things, and it's like this yeah. very fine line, you know? I think it's just, at least for me, like I was saying, because I, I don't consider myself to be, like some sort of veteran who's played on like a million platinum records, like some of my favorite drummers, you know? Um, but I think a lot of it is just treating someone else with respect. It's like, if you, if you treat them with respect, they're going to treat you with respect. Right. You're going to gain their trust that way. Um, but also respecting their music and respecting their ideas and where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, like the other day I was working for a guy who, um, it was a a recommendation from our friend, Sean Uh Hurley. And he was somewhat of a uh, novice or an amateur, you know, producer Mm -hmm. um, and artist. And, you know, some of his ideas, I I wasn't going to go, that was a dumb idea, you know, (laughs) right? you know, that's, or that, that's not going to work. Yeah. I always, cause sometimes it does, you know, and sometimes uh, the most undrumistic (laughs) Is that a word? <laughs> sure. Non-drumistic <laughs> ideas, but like it feels very like right. left-footed to play, yeah. are cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, and sometimes if someone has an idea, so I always honor the idea. Right. If someone has an idea in the studio, you have to honor it. You got to try it. Yeah. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't, and that's okay. Sometimes I have ideas that work. Sometimes they don't. Right. <laughs> but it's like if it's in the as Sean would say, in the if it's in the ether, yeah, <laughs> you have to try it. Yeah, you know exactly. So, I think exactly. that that's another good way to earn trust, right? From from an artist, but also um, to sum up your question with mm-hmm. another approach mm-hmm. um, to the, to that answer is um, 
you know, you, you've got a, it, it's, it's in the playing. It's it, especially if you're tracking with them live. Yeah. It's like putting all of your attention into them. Right. Right. Like not listening to yourself. Right. 100%. Just you know, embodying that, it's that song. Like, that performance. I love getting to play live with singers. Yeah. Um, or if, or whatever it happens to be, whoever the leader is, I love mm -hmm. being able to put all of my attention on them when we play right. and try to support them. Cause that, that, that's what the drums are. The drums are an accompanimental instrument. Right. So it's like the more that you can do just that mm -hmm. and support them and make them feel good, yeah. make them sound better. Right. You're, you're going to gain their trust that way. Absolutely. Um, it's when you're not paying attention. Right. Or if your mind is wandering or you're thinking about like what's for lunch yeah. or whatever. And it's difficult too, because a lot of times with session players and musicians, like you get hired to do overdub sessions. Yeah. You just come in and just lay the drums. You're by yourself in the room. Totally. That happens, all the, that happens more often than not. Now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, working with that too. But that's why, like, for instance, with all the remote stuff that goes on now, yeah. I like to do uh, audio movers. Right. And I like to get them on FaceTime. Right. Because if I can see them yes, <laughs> see the when reactions. I'm recording, and if I can see them <laughs> into it, then I know I'm on the right track. Right. Um, I think that's really important. At least for me, it's like I have to have that human-to-human -human connection. I yeah. can't just be doing it in a vacuum. Right. And Or like sending it, like do a take and then send it to them and go, what do you think? Right. You know? Because right. if, if I'm not getting that um, visual... Mm -hmm. uh immediate feedback yeah. from them like because it's just body language right? Right, right, right it's just being able to read the room yeah everyone talks about reading the room all the time that's yeah. part of it yeah exactly um, that's why like uh it's in some of the bigger studios like if you're at east west or something mm -hmm. um i always like to some hopefully the drums are in its position in a way that i can like see into the right, control room right so whoever's <laughs> in charge if it's a composed like a film composer mm -hmm. or an artist um, you can see the reaction An engineer. And, yeah. yeah. I want to be able to like, see like, is everything feeling good in there? Right, is, right. It, is that cool? Is it translating? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's to me super important. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's how I approach that. Even with mixing too. Like I've started doing a lot more, you know, video sessions when I'm doing remote stuff and it's helped exponentially, you yeah. know, it's like just being able to see their reactions and talk to them and, work through the, even the communication wise, you, you know, it's like so there's, easy. There's so much that gets lost. Yeah. Uh, when you can't see the person. Absolutely. You know, if it's just like you're exchanging emails or text messages mm -hmm. and there's so much that can get misconstrued. Yeah. Um, so that's why with the remote thing and hope, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening who are doing a lot of remote work. Cause that's, yeah. that's a lot of what this industry is now. Mm -hmm. Um, I always, I 100% uh, recommend <laughs> getting them on a video call. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. Phone calls are cool too, but you know, yeah, only so much of human communication is verbal, right? So, yeah, exactly. a lot of it is nonverbal. Exactly. You know, <laughs> that's cool. And a lot of times it's just like seeing them, like right. if they're not, if they're like into it or smiling, right, you know, right. like little things like that <laughs> can, right. You, immediately you know you're in the right you're moving in the right direction absolutely absolutely um yeah and when it comes for preparation how do you typically prepare for a session or if you do do you do live performances do i do live stuff road? too yeah it's always different mm -hmm. um every i feel like every session is different um yeah. sometimes i get sent music ahead of time right sometimes you don't sometimes there's charts hmm Sometimes there are no charts. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so it's, it's always different. I try to do, I try to get as much information as I can right. ahead of time. Like what sounds are we going for? What sometimes references can also be misleading. Right. If someone's like, cause it's true. References can, you know, lead you in totally in the wrong direction. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> That's happened numerous times. Yeah. Where, oh crap. I, I sent you this reference. I didn't really listen to it. I didn't realize this mix was all screwed up. And yeah. or, but like... sometimes it's like, <laughs> sometimes people can send you a reference and they just mean like, no, I just like the general, like I like the fact that it has reverb on it. <laughs> right. You know, right. they don't, 
it's like, are you talking about the sound? Are you talking about the beat? Yeah. Are you talking exactly. about, um, <laughs> there's you so know, many different aspects <laughs> or sometimes they send you a reference. They're like, Oh no, I like the guitar part. Like right. I'm not talking about the drums on this. <laughs> and you're like, well, I'm playing drums on this though. You know? <laughs> what do you want? So, yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you, you gotta be careful. Right. Um, about all, but yeah, in terms of prepping, I do try to get as much information mm-hmm. as I can. Sometimes I write out charts. Yeah. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes, like I said, I have to transcribe everything note for right. note. And sometimes they want that. The producer or engineer doesn't want the the session musicians to hear anything in advance. Yeah. They want to have a fresh perspective. Like, okay, listen one time, write a chart, and yep. then go out and play it. A lot of times, I find that those are the most fun. Yeah. Huh. Um, and and you get the most organic and spontaneous uh, right. results. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it feels the most uh lively it feels right. effervescent in yeah. a way you know it, it um absolutely and also like you know typically people will have like a mock-up of the drum part or mm-hmm. whatever part they're trying to record and you know they programmed it they're not drummers they know that they that's why they're hiring someone like you to improve upon it and change it a little bit right. so it's like you don't want that to get stuck in your head to play this thing because i don't like that at all you yeah know? so <laughs> However, there's always the thing of someone will send you a demo and go, I put some drums in there, but you don't need to listen to them. Just do your own thing. Right. I always will still start yeah. with whatever's on their demo because right. um, a lot of times it's like if you just immediately like rip the Band-Aid off and go in a different <laughs> direction, right. if they've been listening to that demo yes. for like two years That's true. or however long yeah. ago they wrote that song, yeah. <laughs> it's going to like, they're going to yeah. uh, repel you. you know, they're right. going to tense up and go, I yeah. don't know about that. Right, right. But it's like if, if you at least have a starting point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, no, it's, it's the same with mixing too. It's like that's one of the, my main questions yeah. is how much do you like your demo? You know, it's like, do yeah. you do you hate it? Do you want me to go a completely different direction? Or sometimes people spend a long time on it, and it sounds great, mm-hmm. and they just want a little differences, you know? So yeah. It's interesting. You the know? demo-itis thing is real. <laughs> yes, um, I I have no problem with doing however many takes someone right. wants. Right. Um, and also, the, like, this goes back to, like, the ego thing or mm-hmm. pride like some guys are, you know, it's like if you can't get it in like two takes, yeah. <laughs> are you even like a real human, you know? Right. Or right. even a real drummer? <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's like, to me, that's silly because, um, and sometimes it works out. Like the other day, I did a song for a guy. Um, I did one take. And he was like, wow, that was awesome. Mm. And I did one more take. And he's like, that was cool too. Like, send me both of those takes. We're done. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. Let me do like one more. Like, right. I literally just learned your song, you know? And I did nice. a third one. And he's like, that was the best one yet. Right. And I was exactly. like, because it's like, yeah, you can play something that works for a song. Right. But it's like, sometimes I like to get a little deeper inside of right. um, the song. And sometimes it, it works out like first take but sometimes it doesn't and that's okay right like you said like every every track is different every session is different but Mm -hmm. also the way that you get the end result is also different so it's like the prep can be completely different but also getting to the finish line yes is also (laughs) completely different exactly but that's that's the whole thing with um you know even um practicing Mm -hmm. i would say like practicing drums uh, some things you practice and you work on trying to get, it's like it comes fast and it's easy. Right. Like certain grooves or fills or whatever. Other concepts might just take longer yeah. for some people. Right. For sure. It, and that's okay. So I would <laughs> say that everyone out there watching or listening is like, be cool with like spending time on something. Like right. don't don't right. put a time limit on Yeah. That actually leads me to my next question is, you know, obviously you engineer yourself here in Mm -hmm. your studio, you know, how do you, how do you manage being on both sides of it at once? You know, like it's, it's difficult to, to stay objective and stay inspired at the same time while doing it. And you have all your sample packs, you record very cool, unique sounds sometimes. And 
Like, how do you manage all that? Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know how I manage it. Um, I think part of it is I've been doing it for a really long time. Right. So it's just like learning. Like when I was figuring out how to engineer myself, mm-hmm. and I still don't call myself a real engineer because I know real engineers <laughs> like you. Like when I hear your sounds, I'm like, how does he do that? <laughs> right. Like because I'm playing the same drum set I always <laughs> right. play. <laughs> right. But he's doing something different. I know it. Um. But, you know, it's like, it's just like learning another instrument. Yeah. It's like, you got to put in the hours, you mm. got to put in um, the research. Right. Of like, find, like, find the guys who are really good at this mm. and figure out what, like, learn what they're doing. Right. Try right. to hang out with them. Yeah. Ask questions at appropriate times. Right. <laughs> on sessions. Right. Um, but I think part of it is I've been doing it for so long now. And I wouldn't even say so long, because there are some guys who have been doing the home studio thing for way longer. Mm-hmm. But I've been recording myself since, like, 2009, 2010. Okay. Nice. In my little apartment at USC. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I had a little Digi 002. <laughs> right. Yeah, so but, did I. <laughs> but, like, yeah. So, But you learn really fundamental right. concepts, like phase. Yeah. Um, which is a big topic. <laughs> yes. But you can... <laughs> Often overlook some... But it takes abortion. a long... Like, for me... It takes a lo- it's taken a long time to like really understand it better. Yeah. It, it's like it's like an onion. You just keep peeling the layers right, off and right. it gets deeper and deeper <laughs> and you realize you know less right. than you thought you did. Um, right. But it's just like drumming. It's like yeah. the mo- the deeper I get into playing the drums, the right. more I I realize how hard it is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um but it's similar with like to go back to your question. Mm-hmm. It's like I've just spent so long working on the engineering side of things. And working on the drums and then but the the two inform each other yes right so sometimes i'll you know i, I would record something and go why doesn't this sound good and then <laughs> sometimes it's the sometimes it's the knob side of things right <laughs> or you know all this stuff but sometimes it's like maybe i should just change how i'm playing right you know yeah. maybe i should hit softer right or, or change the tuning whatever, or whatever. Yeah. yeah maybe this isn't the right snare drum yeah you know so you learn, uh, so, but then sometimes it's like, wait, how, do, how are they getting that snare sound? It's like, oh, there's a compressor on it. Right. You know, okay, well, <laughs> how do I dial this in to get that yeah. sound, like with that <laughs> snare drum, you know? Right, right. So, um, but yeah, the, I would t- to wrap up your question, mm-hmm. though, because you're talking about all the different sounds and sample packs, yeah. I have a genuine interest in lots of different sounds right um and to quickly i i do have a theory about all this okay (laughs) um and it's it's a generational thing it's a it's a historical Mm -hmm. thing um if you go back to like the jazz drummers the the drum set's only about 100 years old right right so they were just like before like the early early uh jazz drummers like mm-hmm. they were just like figuring out how does this thing right work there were like practically no there were no toms they would have these little chinese tom toms with like right. tacked on drum heads right they weren't concerned with like you can't there's no tension rods you couldn't right. tune the toms <laughs> hey can we get like can we deaden the tom no there's none of that yeah <laughs> so but what they could do they could um you know their vocabulary is what they developed mm-hmm. and they developed the vocabulary that became why we set up the drums the way we do right um the later jazz drummers like the bebop drummers Mm -hmm. expanded that vocabulary expounded upon that vocabulary i would say (laughs) um and then once you get to like someone like hal blaine or something Mm -hmm. it's like okay now we're thinking about how these things actually sound recorded how can we affect these drums like let's take the front head off Mm-hmm. to get like a an actual kick drum sound right right like with you know on the wrecking crew stuff like that's yeah. kind of yeah i mean there's early recordings of him with the front head still on and that's a cool sound or all the right. motown stuff stacks recordings right um but it was still just like this is the sound mm-hmm. this is the sound and uh we can muffle it and then later like if you think about the 80s all those or the late 70s into the 80s mm-hmm. all those session drummers it was like this is the sound of my drums all those guys were like this is the sound of my drums right. <laughs> um 
because they were doing so many sessions, they didn't yeah. have time to like, yeah. <laughs> hey, can we get like more of a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? like counting crows? I don't know. Yeah. Like, we, they didn't exist, you yeah. know, <laughs> or, can we, or just whatever modern. Right. Can we do right. more of like a Mumford sound on this or yeah. like a Lumineers kind of thing? It's like you wouldn't right. do that because it didn't, it didn't exist. It was just like, this is the sound of the drums of recorded drums in a studio. Mm-hmm. That's the sound we're all doing now. Yeah, because we it's like we're a record making machine. We're just cranking out the hits. Right. Um, so that's part of my theory is all those drummers then were just concerned with that. Right. Like just doing that sound, like so you could hear you could hear Percaro on a record, and it's like mm-hmm. that's what he sounds like. You could tell it's him. Yeah. Steve Gadd, uh, Jr. Mm-hmm. Vinny, like any of the session guys. Right. You know, back then, just to name a few. I mean, there's tons of them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um. But to get to our <laughs> generation here, it's uh-huh. like we are, in a way, I mean, there are guys who have such a defined sound and they mm. get hired for that sound. Right. Um, but I think, I tend to think of myself more as like a uh, a working drummer. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to feed my kid, you know? Right. Like, I'm just trying to keep the roof <laughs> over our head here. Um, but... It's like for me doing all the different types of sessions that I get to do, mm-hmm. and I'm thankful to do. They expect you to be able to change the sound of your drums. They yeah. expect you to bring in different, like a variety of, yeah. like if if you don't have a few snare drums to choose from, right? Because again, it's not about me. It's not about the sound I want on this song. Of course, yeah. It's about what do you need? What right. does the artist need? And what does the you music never know need? Until you get there and start experimenting. Yeah. So. For our generation of drummers, like I think it's it's paramount that you yeah. understand how to get different sounds. Right? Can you get a throwback, like Motown sound? Right, Can you do right. that? Do you know how to do that? Right. Do you know how they tune the drums? Head selection. Where are the mics placed for that? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like we have to know that stuff. Right. Um, versus, can you do like a '90s, like? never mind like grohl kind of can you get that it's (laughs) it's all about how you hitting the drums how you're miking the drums how you're you know Mm -hmm. all the gear we have to know that yeah um and i i'm glad you mentioned how you hit the drums because i remember i was on a session where it was a it was a kind of a weird project where you had a bunch of different bands coming in on the same set of backline and the whole day, like, we couldn't get the drums sounding good. Couldn't get them sounding good. Finally, you know, the day, like, a real, like, session player came in and hit the drums, and it's like, oh, the drums sound great. No one else <laughs> knew how to hit them, <laughs> you know? It's important. <laughs> yeah. Tone production. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, it, That goes for any instrument. Yeah, that's true. I mean, someone playing an acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. like, you've recorded a lot of acoustic guitar. Yeah. It's easy to like make that sound bad, you know, <laughs> right, if, if you're not right. right. Strumming the, I mean, <laughs> but it goes with any instrument. It's mm. just the drums we all think of like as this caveman instrument, like, <laughs> oh, you know, like you just hit it. But <laughs> right. it's like to really make it sound a, like a lot of it goes into the touch. Like I talk about this yeah. a lot on my YouTube channel like mm-hmm. everyone gets so into the gear side of things or yes. they or they think that the drums are going to make the like that's just a small part of it. Right. Right. You can um, make really great drums sound shitty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. Um, there's always, I don't, I don't know, it always, this always gets butchered, and I don't know exactly who said it, but I always heard it was, uh, I guess, it was, I, I always heard it was Ray Brown, okay. the bass player, um, where like someone came up to him after a set. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, that bass sounds so good. And he goes, yeah, how does it sound now? You know? <laughs> That's awesome. Because <laughs> it's just like right. the sound doesn't come from the instrument. Right. The human exactly. the person playing the instrument makes the sound. Yes. That's you know? true. <laughs> or like I remember one time I, um do you know David Pilch? He's another mm-hmm. great bass player. Um he's a I mean he's an amazing bass player in town. And we used to play in a band with Adam Levy. Actually we're doing a tour coming up. Because okay. Adam moved to New York during the pandemic. And okay. Anyway, we're gonna do this tour. But I remember one time, and this is another big lesson for me. Right. Um, I said something like, man, that microphone sounds really great. And he goes, 
the microphone does not make a sound. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. we, we obviously microphones can change the color of a, right. you know, right. the uh, microphones are important. But, um, <laughs> But the, how you place them, yeah. what the gain is, yeah. what the EQ is, everything. Um, yeah. But before all of that, how mm. are you hitting your instrument? Exactly. How are you making? Yeah. How are you producing a tone, right. a sound out of your instrument? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's important. Right. So right. practice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, from your perspective as a session musician, what advice would you give to engineers and producers to better collaborate and get the best performances from session musicians? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I would start with engineers, because mm. not every engineer does this. And I know you do do this. Okay. Is go out in the room and hear <laughs> what the drums sound like right. <laughs> in the room. Yeah. You know? Um, listen to, like, just the acoustic sound coming out of, out mm. of the instrument. What does it sound like? Right. Because um, sometimes... You know, like if it's a certain type of groove, sometimes it's not all about the kick and the snare. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm real, or sometimes it's not all about the room mics. Right. You know, sometimes it's more about the close mics. Right. So it's like, you know, listen to where the groove, where the motor is, Mm -hmm. and and, and capture that. Um, Because some guys just go into like, uh what's the they just go into like what they know and or like or you get the engineer thing of like this is my sound this is how i record right you know (laughs) this is this is how i record drums man this is my i mean engineers do that yeah (laughs) this is my sound right and it's like really like what you're uh, you know it's like okay okay let's work together here so i think that's the bottom line is listen to where the groove is coming from Mm. or where the the colors are coming from maybe it's a symbol maybe it's more about symbols right. and not drums shells versus symbols yeah. you know and um, another thing i like to do is just listen to you know the tone of the drum sometimes like you hit the kick drum and it's you know got a ton of low end but not a lot of clickiness or whatever so you have to like okay let me change the mic a little bit i i know i'm gonna have to eq this a certain way mm-hmm. you know it's like things like that is you know if you just put the mics up and go in the room you'll never know you can pull your hair out. Yeah. So that's something yeah. I would say for drummers too is yeah. drummers think like, no, 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 this is how I, the drums sound, you know? Right. And it's like, well, the whole, the bottom line is we got to work together. Right. You know, if, if the engineer is saying that the kick drum's not cutting through the way they need it to, right. Because maybe it's fighting with the bass. Mm-hmm. Maybe it, there's just something else going on. Maybe right. your ear is not down here. Yes, you know, <laughs> and your, I don't want it to be. <laughs> your your head is up. Your if you're the drummer, your head's up there. Right. But it's like the drums sound different in front of the Absolutely. drums. Yeah. So, but that's where most of the mics are, and that's where most of the mics are. So yes. it's like if you <laughs> you have to understand that that's the recorded sound is coming from out here most right. of the time, unless you're doing like a right, you know, right. recorder yeah. man or whatever they call exactly. that yeah. over the shoulder thing. Um, so that's, I would say, you know, engineers and drummers and producers have to really work together. It should, if, and you shouldn't be butting heads. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's also a good way as a drummer to not get called back, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. it's like, right. if you're going to sit there and argue yeah. or, I mean, as an engineer too, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that session with the one we did and we did that session recently. Yeah. So it was just it was just co- like a bunch of concert toms for like a 70s chase scene kind of mm-hmm. sounding thing. And you did like two overheads and two underneath the whole thing. Like right. that was it. And it well, was just was a ton of toms. It was just but it sounded It just sounded amazing to me. Yeah. And they were like, you know, you use 421s overhead. I remember this. I think it was no, four no. 41s. You did 441s yeah. overhead and the 421s underneath. On the bottom, I couldn't yeah. remember if it was top or bottom i was also using the room mics and smashing the crap out of them it sounded that. so Maybe. good though yeah. and i was just like <laughs> but the thing is going back to your question is mm. once i heard that in my headphones right because you were sending that sound to me mm. it was exciting yeah. you know and it made me play a certain way yeah so That's one thing i you know always make sure to do is make sure that 
you know, the musicians in the room are hearing what I'm hearing. Yes. Because then it, it totally changes the performance. It changes everything, mm-hmm. you know. It's so important. Um, if, if you're smashing, like, this microphone right here. Right. I, w- I got to hear that. Yeah. You know, if, if we're relying on that for part of the drum sound. Because mm-hmm. that's going to affect how hard I hit the cymbals. Right. Uh, it's affecting where I'm hitting on the snare drum. Yeah. It's affecting how much I'm muffling the drums. Right. There's That's a crazy. lot. It, it, it could affect the type of bass drum beater. Yeah. I Absolutely. Use, you know, or how hard I'm hitting the bass drum versus right. the snare drum. And that's what a great session musician can understand when they're hearing things like that. You know, it's like oftentimes I'll get projects to mix and I'll, you know, put a ton of compression on a, a you know, like a smash mic or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, because the drummer wasn't hearing it when he recorded, it makes it difficult for me yeah. as a mixer to control the cymbals or to change yeah. the tones, you know? It's really important. Um, I have to... Well, I have to say this. Um, when you think about like, going back to like the old school um, jazz days, right? Mm-hmm. It used to be you put up the mics and you just capture the sound in the room. Right. Right? Yeah. Which is cool. That's yeah. fine. And there's still a place for that today. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are a, try, if you're trying to be a session drummer right. and you come into the studio with that attitude mm-hmm. of, that's not how my drums sound right. or whatever, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, yeah. But you're, first of all, you're not going to make friends that way. <laughs> um, but I would say, second of all, you need to understand that it used to be that the microphones would capture the sound. It used to be, you know, you would just play the drums right, and then the microphones would capture that. But now it's more like the microphones are really what's making the sound. You're playing yeah. for the mics. Yeah. You're not just playing for the room. You're playing Absolutely. for the microphones. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important to understand if you're trying to be mm-hmm. a modern day session musician right. session right. drummer even uh, for any instrument really but yeah. especially for drums because drums are always the hot seat and they're always the thing that gets um affected the most yes whether you're adding a ton of reverb or a ton of compression right or if you're filtering things in a certain way mm-hmm. or if you're adding like a cool echo effect or right, what, whatever right. it is it doesn't matter um but you have to understand that you're playing for the mics yeah. and you're playing for how the sound is going to come out Right. Of two speakers right. and, or at most uh, like 50 speakers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. one or the other well, whatever it is you know yeah, exactly um th- that's the thing like someone like hal blaine really understood if right. you go back to like when there was one speaker like everything was in mono yeah it's like he knew how the drums were going to come out and mm-hmm. fit into one speaker the whole right, song right. every you know all those <laughs> phil specter like wall of sound yeah yeah that's crazy he still knew how loud to play in the room right how it was going to cut through like that's yeah um no i've i've been on sessions where you know because the overhead technique i was using they they had a symbol like way off to the side and they whenever they hit that one it just wasn't cutting through it's like look either you have to play that one a lot harder yeah. or put up a bigger louder symbol over there because that's not working you and know? you can't just go what i'm hitting it as hard as i can exactly. it's like well doesn't matter yeah. like for whatever reason it's not working so <laughs> right make exactly. it work you know exactly. um there's there's a great uh bass player in town mm-hmm. who uh would talk about how how blaine and be like yeah you know whenever we'd like record with him in the room it never really like sounded that good in in the room, but then magically you would go into the control room and listen, and it would sound amazing, you know. And it's like, well, that that's, right there. Yes, that's the secret. That's the secret. I mean, he knew how it was going to yeah, translate. That's awesome. And that's really what it's all about: is how right. is this going to translate? I mean, yeah. there, there's tons of stories I've heard, like, you know, like it's like, oh, the snare drum sounds awful with me sitting right here right. playing it in the room, right? But somehow. <laughs> it sounds amazing on the other side you know exactly uh, so you have to remember it's not about it's not always how does it sound to you right there in the Mm. room it's how is it coming through on the other side right how is it translating for sure and that goes for how much you're playing too yeah 
because uh, you know some drummers they try to play fast stuff all the time you know and, right. and sometimes it works but yeah. a lot of times i found with my own experiences it doesn't translate the way i think it's going to yeah exactly. it doesn't sound as good as i thought it would exactly. at the time exactly <laughs> and that's how you learn is you learn to um edit yourself and yeah. omit right things that you know won't translate right right and that's just experience yeah um, exactly so yeah, that's the relationship between engineers and producers, yeah. and that's the advice I would give for cool. them working with drummers is right. work together. <laughs> right. <laughs> to answer your question. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Is there any uh current or recent projects that you can talk about? Yeah. Um my wife's album just came out today. Nice. Kate nice. Dunton. Congrats. The album's called thank you. The album's called Keyboards. Okay. Uh we did it at East West three. Nice with Sean Hurley on bass mm-hmm. and she just, you know, we, she played piano on some stuff. She had a Rhodes, mm-hmm. a Whirly. Um, she overdubbed some Mellotron stuff here at the house and some synthesizers, nice. but yeah, it's called keyboards. Cause it's all, it's all about the keyboards. Right. Nice. And, um, yeah, that was fun. Cool. That's, so that's out now. So I highly recommend everyone going, <laughs> stop what you're doing right now. <laughs> after you listen to this right <laughs> after you watch this oh good and go check that out kate dunton k-a-i-t okay d-u-n-t-o-n right nice keyboards cool. um yeah i don't know what else is going on there's some movie stuff i did i don't know if i'm allowed to talk about it yeah oh good but yeah that's that'll cool. come out eventually yeah. hopefully <laughs> <All right. laughs> strike ends yeah <laughs> um right cool yeah uh, I like to wrap up each podcast with the same kind of set of questions. Cool. Um, the first one is, who is your most influential teacher? I would say Peter Erskine. Yeah. Because I spent so much time with him that in my, in my development as a professional right. musician. Nice. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Um, the next one, I don't know if it really applies for you, but it's, what is your favorite reference track like for engineers to go to a new studio and kind of learn the room but like in your case what would be a song you put on to get inspired (laughs) i don't know that's a good question there's so many different things i'm a huge jeff percaro fan okay so sometimes i just put on something by him i know it's a little old school but yeah whatever (laughs) yeah he's awesome so pretty much anything that he ever played on (laughs) nice (laughs) awesome yeah uh last question is Again, we could tweak it. It's one. What would be one tidbit for an upcoming engineer? But in your case, it could be an upcoming drummer or session musician. Anything? Yeah, just one little comment or note. I would say listen to a lot of music. Yeah, a lot of different types of music, and um, really try to understand why it works. Yeah. You know, what, what drives us? Like, you, I sit there, it's active listening. Right. Um, what's making a song work? Like, sound-wise or groove-wise or arrangement, like the production of mm-hmm. it. So much so much of it today is production, right? Yeah. Um, and so little of it has to do with actual drumming. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. like, technique stuff, you right. know? Right, Or chops. Um. I mean, there's still a lot that goes into, like, the feeling of it, mm-hmm. where you're placing the beat. Um, but, yeah, if you sit there and do some deep listening every day, mm-hmm. you know, on a regular basis, um, and you can, you don't have to take notes. You don't have to write anything down. But yeah. really sitting there and, and paying attention, right. I think that's the main thing is yeah. you're not being distracted by your phone or by the Internet. Right. Um but really pay attention to mm. what you're listening to. Right. <laughs> but because here's why. Um, not only are you going to get more ideas or become inspired or just learn information. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there's so many people who know a lot of stuff now. Mm-hmm. Like we, There's yeah. a lot of information out there. Yeah. People know it. Um, but it's going to teach you to stay focused when you play. Yes. You know? That's true. Which is the bottom line. It's like right. if you can totally invest every bit of your uh focus Mm -hmm. i'm not calling it thinking we're not thinking here but we're focusing right 
we're concentrating on the the music we're making. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good way to develop it is is by focused listening, right? Active listening, nice. right? Cool. So that's what I would say. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks, man. I yeah. really appreciate it. You're welcome. Awesome. Good to have you. Thank you for having me. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks so much for checking out the show. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review or comment. I'll see you next week.